0: Welcome to another episode of Singled In, a gathering place for single members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints in their 30s and 40s, also known as mid singles. I'm Oliver.
1: And I'm Lindsay. Today we're excited to be joined by another Lindsay, Lindsay Wilson. She's a good friend of ours and a fun fact about Lindsay and I is we spell our names almost exactly the same, which is pretty rare. We both have weird spellings and they're weird spellings together. (laughs) And it's really convenient
2: because I'll get texts from our ward members who mean to text you. Yeah. (laughs) And I've gotten in the habit of just saying, Wrong Lindsay. And so you probably get invited to do a lot of things and have a lot of assignments that I don't want to do. So I send them to the other one.
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm surprised they're texting you first because alphabetically Lindsay Pace is That's before Lindsay true. Wilson in the list. That's so, true. but I appreciate you like, you know. Passing t- it t- on. Oh,
2: <laughs> I will say there I, was one incident where it was from a random guy about a hot tub, and I was so grateful that he meant to text you. About, about me, <laughs> <laughs> I was very happy to turn that over to you. <laughs> about a
1: hot tub, huh? Well, yeah, so I mean, feel free anytime to just be like wrong number <laughs> and not direct them in the right direction.
0: <laughs> I didn't realize that your guys' names were so similar until you just mentioned that. Yeah, yeah you're literally like only one more letter. Yeah, yeah, That's funny.
1: Yeah, I and then I E. Yeah.
0: So, Lindsay, thank you for being on our podcast. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Sure. So I grew up just a few hours away from Vegas. I grew up in Southern Utah Mm -hmm. and um, had just kind of like this magical childhood of living with most of my mom's extended family. So walking to grandma's house and like being with my cousins every Sunday And then I moved away to school and went on a mission, went to grad school, lived in all of these different communities and realized like there's a great sense of community in lots of places. Mm -hmm. And I've been here in Vegas for seven years or so and feel pretty settled down in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Really appreciate the community we've had in the singles ward. I am a physician assistant and I work in GI. So I have really detailed conversations with people about their abdominal pain and poop. <laughs> and I love it. Um, never a dull moment, it's, I it's guess. It's never a dull moment. You know, people are really interesting in what they say and how they say it and the pictures they show me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, um, it's, it's really fulfilling to me to be able to manage someone's GI conditions or GI symptoms changes the quality of their life. You know, we do screening and surveillance for some of the major uh, cancers, Mm. deadly cancers like colon cancer. And so it's really fulfilling to be a part of that and to feel like I'm
0: changing people's lives. That's awesome. That's great, well thank you. Yeah.
1: Great, well we're glad to have you. We're gonna be talking today about egg freezing. Actually, we didn't discuss our get to know you question, but we had an idea. Do you still oh, want to do that one? Ooh, yes, yes please. please. Okay, so what were you like as a child?
0: So when I was a kid, I was quiet and shy. Not that it was like hard to get anything out of me, but I wasn't one to like spark a conversation. I waited till someone asked me a question, and that is still kind of like who I am today, but I am definitely more outgoing than, than I was when I was younger.
1: Okay. Yeah. I would actually say I was the same. I was very shy, and... Actually, I did not know how to project my voice at all, so I had this traumatic experience from the fifth grade where I was trying to give like a presentation about myself or something. And people could not hear me like speak from the front of the classroom. And so eventually my teacher got really frustrated with me not being able to like speak up or project my voice. And so she was like, Okay, we're just gonna gonna sit here and not hear you Like it was bad. (laughs) So rude. I think for a long time especially through high school and stuff, I really wanted to be more outgoing. That was, like, a goal of mine. I would, like, pray for it. And I had, like, some cool friends from church who were, like, way more outgoing, you know, like the popular kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they helped me a lot. And um, eventually, yeah, I think people are, like, more surprised now to hear that I was also shy. I'm surprised to hear that from you,
2: Oliver. Yes. So, interesting. Mm-hmm. Not surprising, but I was also shy and <laughs> introverted, and I'm still introverted. Um, one thing about me was I was pretty like, obedient and respectful, except for when I wasn't. Like, there was chore day every Saturday, and some days I just didn't feel like doing my chores, and so I said, no, thank you. And my parents would send me to my room, because that's what you do when your kids don't behave, but that's exactly where I wanted to be. (laughs) So it was really hard for my parents, I think, to punish me because there was nothing to really take away and even today I, you could just sit me in a room by myself and i would be totally happy
0: <laughs> <That's> so cute <laughs> so what they thought was a punishment was actually yes absolutely interesting
2: some privacy for my siblings i mean it was a win-win situation
1: okay so i'm glad you wanted to talk on the podcast today this is something that comes up a lot at least for women <laughs> probably not for men as much yeah um at this age, um, and the topic is freezing your eggs. And, yeah, Lindsay, tell us a bit more mm-hmm. about it. Like, I feel like it's not something that's been around forever. It's kind of like something that's gained a little more popularity in recent years. But, yeah, tell us yeah, what so, it is and why people would do it.
2: Yeah, so it, it's it been around for maybe longer than I thought. It was. It's been around for maybe, like, the 1980s. Okay, yeah. But not... Um, As well developed as it has been even in the past five years or so. Oh, really? It's a way that women can preserve their fertility. And so that's done for a few reasons. Sometimes it's done for women who have cancer and will need to have surgery or some type of treatment Mm -hmm. that will affect their fertility. Or they have some other type of medical condition that will affect their fertility in the future. So they freeze their eggs. Um, It's a great option for single women to preserve their fertility for a later date, um, especially as single women in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who want to have a family eventually Mm -hmm. and are single still. Mm -hmm. And so the process is that, the process that I went through at least, so you'll have a consultation with a fertility doctor Mm -hmm. and you'll have some testing done. Usually it's blood work and an ultrasound. And that gives them an idea of kind of the status of the ovaries, what kind of medications and what kind of dosages to use to basically have your ovaries overcreate or overproduce multiple eggs at a time, mm-hmm. and then they collect them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that involves a procedure with anesthesia. Um, mm. They go in through the vaginal wall, they mm. suck out the little eggs, mm. and they put oh, them wow. in the freezer. <laughs> and then those can be used at a later date. So they can be frozen for years and years. Um, when it, they're ready, they're unthawed, they're fertilized, they create embryos that can be tested, and then they can be transferred into the uterus. When you're ready? Yeah. So
0: is it mostly like the more eggs they collect, the more likely you are to produce a child? Or is it? do, do, do you have like an egg limit? or can you just give as many as you want to?
2: Well, more is not necessarily better. Hmm. So there's a couple of factors. You want some quantity because I don't remember the statistics that I was given, but I want to say this is totally off but like, it's like five to 15% chance of a pregnancy per egg oh that makes sense yeah and that there's a lot of factors with that that there's factors with the quality of the egg and there's quality of the uterus and lots of factors right but Mm -hmm. yes you the more quantity is important gives you more chances um quality is also important and that's kind of goes to the timing of when someone should maybe think about getting their eggs frozen Mm -hmm. and so in general the magic age that they will mention is age 35. So, after age 35, the egg quality and quantity decrease. Hmm. So, I decided to do egg freezing past 35. I was 39, almost 40. Yeah. I turned 40 since then. But it makes it, it's not, so nothing's impossible at, at this point for the most part, unless you've gone through menopause. But age 35 is kind of the magical number. Lindsay and I have talked about this. You know, I was I was thinking about when I decided I wasn't ready at 35. I thought I'll just see what happens. Maybe I'll meet someone, maybe I'll never have kids. It just wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. on in the front of my mind at that point mm-hmm. until it was. And then it, I was like, I got to do this right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I feel like I'm still in that like fairy tale land place where I'm like, yeah. oh, I got time. <laughs> I'll meet <don't need> someone.
2: <laughs> and, but, and I think yeah. it's important to not feel stressed either way. So, like, not to feel stressed that you have to get your eggs frozen now or never. Mm-hmm. And also, not to feel stressed that you got to find the person to have the babies with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm there's, there's just, there's a lot of options. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that.
1: Well, I don't love that there's this not arbitrary, but real like timeline on women Mm -hmm. and women only Mm -hmm. in terms of their like fertility, which impacts like their dating life and Mm -hmm. like future family, everything uh, that men don't have to deal with. That's very unfair. So I love that (laughs) medicine Mm -hmm. has helped find ways to like make that a little bit less, devastating, I guess. Yeah. I'm curious, like, I mean, I've known a few people who've had their eggs frozen, a lot of people, but, and that's just because I'm in this age group where we still, like, have our fertility or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I haven't ever talked to someone, or maybe I have, and I just didn't know, who has, like, ended up using those eggs and being able to, like, have, like, a positive experience on the other end Mm -hmm. with that. Did you, like... Talk to anyone about that, or yeah, did the well, doctor talk about what that looks like?
2: <clears throat> yeah, so I actually did not know any single women who had frozen their eggs. Oh, okay, oh. and that was one of the kind of tricky things. I was like, Who do I talk to about this? And how does this go? And yeah. sh- is it okay that I want to do this? And and what do you know? What does the church culture think about this? Kind right. of thing. And um, but I had married friends who had done IVF and so pretty much a year ago yesterday I made the appointment to have the consultation (laughs) with a fertility doctor and I had called a friend her name is Suzanne she had used IVF and she had I don't remember the numbers they had retrieved many eggs I think she'd gone through several transfers she eventually did have a baby Mm -hmm. and healthy well and then she ended up having another baby without oh cool oh so um so yeah I I think there's some success with it
0: yeah so IVF is the same thing as getting your eggs frozen or are they different so
2: that's a good question so IVF is just kind of the general term we use using fertility drugs to create eggs and embryos Mm -hmm that will be transferred to the uterus. Gotcha. So it can be confusing because I think, like, if I... I don't necessarily say, oh, I'm doing IVF because I think people automatically go to, oh, you're going to have a baby? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you're having something implanted in you? Um, and there's just there's different stages in that. So. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: So, like, with IVF with a couple who's trying to get pregnant immediately, um, it's more of just, like, a, a quick turnaround process. Like, you... Uh, extract the eggs and then you fer, you know, fertilize them right away, whereas with egg freezing, you extract the eggs and then freeze them so that yep. you can fertilize them later. Is that right? Exactly. Okay. Yep.
2: That's a di- the main difference.
0: Yeah. And not to sound like crass, but like how long is the shelf life?
2: Yeah. So that's what I asked um, one of my fertility doctors, and I think she said... She gave kind of a crass answer, actually. <laughs> I think it was like 20 years, and we're like, wait, what? And there, there was a medical case of a girl who must have been like just entering puberty, I'm guessing, like early teens, but knew that she was going to have some type of cancer treatment. They removed as many aches as they could, froze them, and then she didn't use them until like 20 years later. Yeah. When she cancer free. Yeah. Gotcha. But typically I think most of their studies are more around the five year mark. Oh Oh. really? Yeah.
1: So is the expectation that women would then like get pregnant and carry that to term like in their bodies? Is that generally what happens? Or I guess sometimes people use surrogates or other things. Right.
2: So yeah. So there's different options, right? So if you have an embryo, then it just has to go into a uterus. So that uh-huh. could be your uterus. It could be a
1: surrogacy. So there's like a ton of options, it sounds like. Yeah. So you talked to your friend who had done IVF and had a positive experience, it sounds like.
2: Yeah, so she yeah. it was also, an, or she is a nurse, so she gave me, I think, some realistic expectations mm-hmm. and um, questions to ask. I had um, a consultation with my fertility doctor and one of the questions that she asked that I still laugh about is, she's like, okay, so in your dream world, how many kids would you have? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm talking to you. This is not my dream (laughs) situation. (laughs) In my dream world, I would have a time machine and I would go back to my 30s and have kids with the Mm. husband. Thank you. Um, But... It was. It's an important question as far as medically, because then they can kind of plan for predicting how many eggs to plan for. So um, I did my first cycle, the retrieval was around April, and I actually am just starting another cycle. Mm. So the idea is you want to bank as many eggs as you can while you still can. So... Yeah. Um, the tricky part is knowing the future, (laughs) which we don't, right? (laughs) So, um, and that was part of like one of my main drivers with all this is that I didn't want to be 40 something or 50 something, whatever, and really want to have a a baby that was genetically mine and not be able to, or like wish that I would have frozen eggs or more eggs or whatever, right? Yeah, Hmm. and so, um, yeah, so you. There is kind of some time limit, right? So the sooner the better. I think they, you know, once you get more into the 40s, the chances of getting very many eggs are fewer and fewer. So realistically, you have to kind of think about that. Yeah.
0: So our friend Brittany, who was in our second episode, I think Mm -hmm. she might've mentioned this, or maybe she mentioned it later, but she called Mm -hmm. it, it's called a geriatric pregnancy. (laughs) So, that, yeah. so when you're 35 or older, yeah. that's considered a geriatric pregnancy. Yeah,
2: advanced age. Gotcha. Maternal <laughs> advanced age, yeah. Really inappropriate term. <laughs> I was going to say, like, maybe
0: we should change that yeah, or update it. Yeah, we should it.
2: absolutely change that. Well, and yeah, and I mean, there's a reason for that. I mean, because there are risk factors that increase for both mother and child mm-hmm. at that point. Um, but especially with fertility medication and just overall health, and how we're living longer, healthier lives. Mm-hmm. Question: Like, what's what's really advanced age at this point for the mother? So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah, huh. yeah,
1: for sure. I'll be following closely your journey. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us about some of the the good and the bad, I guess, from it. Like, yeah.
2: Well, I would say one thing. That was pretty unexpected about it was just how long the process would take. Oh, okay, like everything took longer. I remember talking to my friend Suzanne, and thinking that it would be, and some other friends thinking that the process would be like a few months uh-huh. like from the consultation, and then we'd start the medication and egg retrieval. Like, and I knew that everything's timed to your menstrual cycle, so there is. You do have to wait until that's timed right but i'm like it's just the next cycle and then we'll you know we start and do all that but yeah to get the the all the appointments and the exams done and the testing done and just everything took longer okay. um, and one thing that was probably the hardest part is just the uncertainty Of everything (laughs) so there's some big uncertainties and there's some small uncertainties right so that the big uncertainty is that you don't you never know how many eggs or what quality of eggs or even if they'll get any eggs at Mm. the end of it right okay so you go through the process and paying the money doing the testing having the potential side effects and it's really a gamble You don't know what's going to happen at the end. Um, And even at the end of the cycle, (laughs) you have whatever eggs you have. There's no telling Mm -hmm. if those will result in a pregnancy. If they'll be fertilized, if they'll be um, turned into a fetus, Mm -hmm. if you'll meet a partner. It's just all uncertain, right? Um, So that's pretty heavy. And then there's all these minor uncertainties, which... So for instance, for my treatment, we have like a treatment plan or protocol, right? But then as you take the treatment, you're tested throughout and then the treatment plan is changed. So Mm -hmm. all you really know is like the next step. Like all Mm -hmm. I know really is that I'm going to start an injection in three days Mm. and then I'll be tested in about four days, (laughs) four or five days. And then, and then we'll have to see for all I know, maybe we have to stop that medication and we have to add something for another week. Mm -hmm. Maybe it looks good and we just continue with what we planned. And so it's, you have to kind of expect the unexpected and it's pretty, Mm -hmm. it's pretty difficult because the stakes feel really high if you are putting your motherhood on the line, which is kind Mm -hmm. of what it feels like. Wow. Honest, yeah. wow! Yeah.
0: So the injections and like the change in medication, mm-hmm. basically they're just trying to fine tune. They're they're just trying to like fine tune everything to get the best possible outcome.
2: Right. So like my my first treatment, um, I had done I think a couple of weeks of estrogen, and then I did these injections, and then they checked my ovaries, and I was growing cysts, like not eggs, but just cysts that could not be used. Um, used right. Yeah and and that Mm -hmm. wasn't good (laughs) so then I had to stop those medications and do birth control for I I can't even remember maybe like a couple more weeks Mm -hmm. and then restart some medications and so you just don't know as you go how your body is going to respond I'm doing a different protocol this time because of some what we learned from the first time and so I hope that things react well. <laughs> I hope there's no sister follicles or whatever happening when I get my first ultrasound next week, fingers crossed. But you never know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you kind of have to expect the unexpected. Um, I think the other thing that, was, that I went in in the process was mm-hmm. realizing that some people just kind of wouldn't get it. Especially maybe the older generation, mm-hmm. <laughs> or people in your life, or people, yeah, or people who just had never had fertility issues. Um,
0: like you said, you had no one to talk to, so you kind of had to like do yeah. your own information.
2: Yeah, I felt like I had a great support system, but it was a little tricky to to feel like no one's done this before as a single person,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: um, and so I just expected that. People might say weird things and they mm-hmm. might not get it. Yeah, might <laughs> be a little insensitive okay, or yeah.
1: worried for you. or Yeah. Okay.
2: But overall, I had a lot of support. And that's one thing that I would recommend for someone who is going to do an IVF cycle is to try and gather as much support as possible. Mm. Um, being, I mean, we already talked about this. I was a quiet, introverted person and I still am. And so initially I thought like, I probably might not... Say anything to anyone. I'll just kind of go through it myself. I might let a few people know, um, but it's private. And what if things don't go well? And I don't want to answer questions. Yeah. And I I have a life coach, and she's like, this isn't this isn't a private thing. <laughs> this is that you don't have to be serious about this. Yeah. Um, and I ended up telling probably more people than wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> so anytime it came up, I I let people know, and. Actually, what happened was most people didn't say anything as far as, like, follow-up questions. And I think there's probably some reasons for that, including it feels kind of like a landmine. going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah, um, I, I get that. Yeah. But, yeah, but then it, it just opened things up for more support, which mm-hmm. I feel like very supported in it. Good.
0: So the majority of the comments and the support have been positive then?
2: Yes. Yes. I think one of, and I didn't really get this from people, friends, or family, but a general, I don't know, comment about IVF is, well, you're playing God when you do that. (laughs) And to me, it's like, thank you. you." (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, I, I don't consider that discouraging. I think that's almost encouraging. It's like, yes, I have been created to be a creator, and this is an option. I think in the church, sometimes we kind of have the options of, you know, if we really want something, we can pray fast, be obedient, and then we can feel sad about it. Mm -hmm. And I think there's another option is just to create some things for ourselves. And I think this is a good example of that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you think about even just getting sick and, like, using all your resources to get well, medicine and everything. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, this is just another example of that, I, I would think. I know the church is like continues to evolve in terms of like what they put in their handbook of instructions for bishops, Mm -hmm. how to counsel members or whatever. I know it says stuff about like fertility or whatnot. Was that tricky to like navigate or
0: did you look into it at all or are you
1: just like, this is, we're okay?
2: um, Well, it's none of their business. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to be honest, I uh, did not seek counsel from church leaders or mm-hmm. the church handbook okay. in this case i sought counsel from my fertility doctor in the decisions that i made and i counseled with god yeah um in general i mean there's in general the 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 church discourages and has discouraged a lot of fertility things other huh. than a married man and woman having baby um, naturally, if you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but there's always a disclaimer in all of the categories of ultimately it's up to the man and the woman, or, you know, it's up to the mother and father, Yeah. which I think that is fair. I think, um, you know, when the church is trying to give counsel, they're giving a general counsel and guidance mm-hmm. and it generally would be probably not appropriate for everyone to go through fertility treatments right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or for even every single woman to go through the egg freezing process Mm -hmm. and so um i get that they're not encouraging that Mm -hmm. but um yeah i think we we have the ability to have a process of prayer and fasting that Mm -hmm. each of us can go through
1: yeah i feel like a lot of things that come out of the church maybe culturally or whatnot really come from, like, maybe older generations who, like, saw things one way. And so, I'm not sure, but sometimes it seems like it's harder for the older generation to, like, um, be open to new to new things and not make it, like, a, a moral issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree.
0: And you always hear that argument when, like, the older generation says, well, we didn't have that back in my day, and, like, we did just fine, so yeah. why do you need this in your day Yeah. Right now? Yeah. So there's also that argument as well. As, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's a
1: different time, different issues. Like back in the day, maybe like 25 would be like a spinster level, whereas like <laughs> right. now like 35 or 40 is like a very appropriate, you know, age to be single still. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Well,
2: and specifically with the fertility medicine, I, you know, there's a big difference in the technology and the medications mm-hmm. and the risk factors compared to even 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Yeah. So to me, that makes more sense that to be more careful uh-huh. back then, whereas now the the technology and the medicine is available to move forward in ways that we just weren't really prepared yeah. to or had the structure for, for before. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So do you feel like that getting your eggs frozen or doing IVF, do you feel like that's gotten more popular or do you think it's more popular because it's more of a necessity
2: that's a good question i mean i think it's more of a topic i one of the reasons why i wanted to to do the podcast is because like i said i i didn't know single women who had done it although i know there are probably in different mm-hmm. um, parts of the country or whatever exactly yeah i have a few friends And I just kind of wish that I had more of a community in that sense. And so I think my hope would be just to have more conversations about fertility planning and and preserving fertility and these topics that I feel like especially as single women in the mid-singles ward, we just, like I said, we just kind of, there's this feeling like let's just feel sad that we're single and we're approaching menopause and... (laughs) Yeah. What are we going to do about it? No one's asking us out, and I just, yeah. I just want us to think more about some of the possibilities. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think we take this like passive role that we don't need to be taking mm-hmm. sometimes, mm-hmm. whereas we can like act and not be active. upon. Huh? Mm-hmm. I think that there's something in the Book of Mormon <laughs> about that. <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like. I mean, this process when you're talking about it. First of all, I know it's expensive. Like, mm-hmm. um, just from those I've known do IVF and such, like we're talking like tens of thousands of dollars. Mm. And then also, it sounds like you're having to like skip out of work a lot to like go um, do different parts of the treatment, yeah, and things so that, like that.
2: Those are good questions. Yeah. Um, so, for in my case, that was one of my main concerns was how can I do this because I so my occupation is I'm a physician assistant, and so I have clinics scheduled from eight to five. And, um, and I was worried about having to cancel or move patients around, um, because they already often have to wait a long time (laughs) to get an appointment. And anyways, um, so the clinic that I went to or that I'm going to, they offer, I think their lab and their ultrasound opens up at six o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. So, So I was able to do all of my testing i think there was one day when i had to bump a patient back like to 8 30 or something and i Mm -hmm. think it might have been because i had to see the doctor like at eight o'clock but in general um, i was able to maneuver that really Mm -hmm. well but that would be a concern so that would be something to talk to your fertility doctor and get a plan of what they would expect with that. Mm-hmm. Typically, it would be testing, oh, I don't even know, like every, at least after like the first, for me, it's after the first uh, five days of the first injection medication. Um, as you go into the last two weeks, it's more often. I think when you get to the end, it's almost, it's an ultrasound, I think it's almost every day or every other day, because wow. they're measuring the, the eggs so okay. that they know when to retrieve them. Mm. Um, so have a plan with your fertility doctor. There are ways as far as um, getting, it's called FMLA paperwork, <laughs> that uh, you can yeah. ask your HR director about. Sometimes that can get approved, that's a way that the, the doctor fills out a form. Uh-huh. so that they can let the employer know that you will be missing days or hours, time spots for a medical reason. and sometimes that gets approved and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. but just know the know what the expectation would be for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's so many like factors going into this in some ways, it's like definitely something only available to like a certain like, class of people in some ways. Like, you need to have, like, a certain income, certain, like, mm-hmm. bit of job flexibility, things like that. I also feel like it's not for, like, the faint of heart. Like, I know that, like, those fertility treatments mess with your hormones and how you're feeling, like, emotionally, psychologically. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's, like, pain involved, you know, all the things. So Yeah. So yeah. So that,
2: yeah I, I didn't have a lot of side effects with them. I was definitely nervous. And that can also possibly make it so you miss out on work like if you get sick if you're mm-hmm. nauseous or whatever you have to give the injections to yourself or have someone who injects you with a needle that you see <laughs> 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 nope. um, no, so you. yes but as far as the financial aspect to that it mm-hmm. can be expensive it, i would say it it on average um, it could run from ten to $20,000 for the testing and the retrieval. And the, the medications are like another $5,000. Wow. But there are programs available, at least what was offered through my clinic, as far as getting medications for a lower cost and then grants mm-hmm. for people that would cover the the treatment portion of it. So there are some options, but yes, mm-hmm. like that is... Um, a limiting factor for a lot of people yeah
1: that's good to know there's yeah some helps out there mm-hmm. and I mean when you look at just all the options for like having a family um everything's expensive like if you were to look into adoption like that's like 40,000 to adopt a child through like an agency yeah. or something so yeah mm-hmm, and I that's mean also it's all relative but yeah. yeah there's it's a lot to consider if And not everyone is going to be super focused on like wanting to have children or have that need, but I think lots and lots of people do, uh, want that as part of their life at some point. And so, yeah, it's a lot to consider for sure.
2: (laughs) It is. And I guess the, the, the invitation is just to start considering some, some options for yourself. Um, and knowing what timing works for you. Yeah. Like I said, would it have been awesome if I did at age 30? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably would have more eggs, but I would not have probably been in the, the same situation financially, emotionally, maturity-wise. Right. So you have mm-hmm. to kind of figure out what, if there is a, an appropriate stage for you to do that.
1: Do you feel like there's a good first step? Like maybe even just like going to get like fertility checked out
2: and see I if there's so. any like
1: going to be any big issues down the road, even if you're not ready to take, like, the next step into egg freezing?
2: Yeah, I think that would be really good advice, um, to stay, for one, to stay up to date with your, your pelvic and pap smears through your mm-hmm. regular GYN doctor, and then I don't know necessarily if a general GYN doctor would offer the fertility testing. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. just a, 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 lab, like a blood test that you do, and then it's an ultrasound, but, you could find out, like I found out with my testing that I have what's called low ovarian reserve, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: okay. which is
2: pretty much what you'd expect if you were almost 40, which is that you're, there's not a lot of eggs left on your ovaries. Okay. That could happen, though, at a younger age, and that may give you information to plan better in the future.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like there's just so many things that could be a little different down there or go <laughs> yeah. wrong or whatever. So. Sure. Like, knowing earlier what mm-hmm. kind of your options are, what your outlook is looking like could be helpful. That's just a takeaway I'm taking from this. Like, maybe I'm not ready for that step, the mm-hmm. egg freezing step, but at least I can kind of see, like, what the prognosis is, Yeah. You know, Get the, the next status of the...
2: Yeah, <laughs> the status <laughs> of the area. <situation>. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Absolutely. Do you feel like
1: doing these treatments in like having a successful round or whatever has there been any sort of like emotional shift or mental shift for you in terms of how you think about like future family and things like that
2: was there yeah. any like, relief yes <laughs> okay I would say a lot more relief and I don't know just kind of maybe how I mentioned before like I don't feel rushed either way like mm-hmm. I don't feel like I need to figure out anything really mm-hmm. <laughs> Which yeah. I do, like I'm, you know, I'm working on that, but like, I don't <laughs> feel like I have to make any decisions right now yeah. or feel bad about not being married or whatever. Okay. Um, and the second, the second round has been a lot less emotional so far, okay. um, because I at least have some eggs. So yeah. mm. Um, that was kind of the main thing is like wondering, will I get anything? (laughs) Yeah. so that has been easier for me to move forward with more treatments.
1: Okay. I love the idea of just like taking a little pressure off, like when you're figuring out dating (laughs) situations or whatever, (laughs) like let's just take the edge off a little bit. And so we can think clearly and move forward with like good things in the future.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Mm -hmm.
0: The one thought that keeps coming to my mind, and not to be like a Debbie Downer, is you mentioned earlier that it's not, it's not always a guarantee. So you sure. could go through all this testing, you mm-hmm. could get all these shots, you can get all these medications revised and like changed and all that, mm-hmm. and then at the end of all this, like pay thousands of dollars and still not get a child out of it. Oh, yeah.
2: Even worse. I mean, there could be a complication (laughs) (laughs) that could end in some infertility. That would be very rare. Mm. So when I when I was deciding, I looked at some of these outcomes, including like the negative outcomes. And that included maybe finding out that I was infertile and then carrying that on in my dating life and Mm. how that would be. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty (laughs) heavy to think about. Um, To not get any eggs, or to have a complication that could result in serious illness, permanent damage, infertility. but even knowing all of that and having that as a possibility, the only po- the, the possibility that was worse for me was possibly regretting not doing it. Mm. and that's just kind of how my brain works. but mm. for me it was I just did not want to live in regret for it. So yeah. knowing what I know and having, the options that I have, I just had to do it.
0: Yeah. You didn't want to have that. What could have been thought? No, no, no,
2: no.
1: It's really great. And I also think that like there will be plenty who are kind of past this point where children are an option and maybe that's something that's like really sad. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, that could be true for younger people as well. Like, um, my brother and his wife have had fertility issues and, Gone through IVF and all the things, lots of really devastating moments in there. But they also have adopted like two super beautiful boys who are like just wonderful. So mm-hmm. I think like yeah, it's just cool to see families created in so many different ways, and mm-hmm. um, I think they're all beautiful and wonderful. And mm-hmm. I I feel like when you think about like the human family, like we're all children of our heavenly Father, and we're all we're all tied in that way, and so. Mm-hmm. In terms of our mortal families, like sometimes it gets messy, but mm-hmm. like there's lots of beauty to be found just in like building those families and connecting.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I choose to believe that I already have a family. Like I already have an eternal family, right? It's just a matter of when that's coming into play. So yeah. Trying some different things and keeping keeping it open, whether that's with adoption or fertility treatments
0: or. Hmm. Yeah. So I have a question for Lindsay and Lindsay. <laughs> Just because you know how different the elders quorum is compared to Relief Society, has does is this like a topic of conversation that ever gets brought up at all, like IBF, infertility, getting your eggs frozen, or is this just kind of the topic that you just talk amongst friends and family? Like is this ever discussed like within the church or like within the, the Relief Society walls?
2: I mean, I brought it up um, when I had my first treatment because I was also teaching Relief Society. Mm. So I made a comment about that in a pretty general way because the other tricky part about this is that there are women who do not have that option for different reasons. They're too old. They will not be able to afford it. They have another medical issue, whatever it may be. And so it is very...
0: Like a touchy subject. Sensitive. Yeah.
2: Right. Um, and so I did bring it up at um during one of one of my lessons and just my a little bit about my experience. And I had a sister come up to me afterwards who said she's like, I didn't know that was a thing. Um
0: that that was an option. That that
2: was an option. And so So yeah, it's tricky. I think we could do a little bit better about just kind of bringing up what's going on for us individually in our circumstances um, with some sensitivity. Mm. Yeah. I'm always a fan of like
1: getting to the nitty gritty, (laughs) you know, we tend to, I feel like in church lessons, we talk about generalities a lot. Uh Like, oh, I went through this hard time. And so, I mean, I get that you don't always want to share specifics. Like you don't want to entrust everyone with like all your vulnerable stuff all the time, Mm -hmm. for sure but also like i don't always like pay attention when someone says oh i was going through a hard time but if someone shares like a little bit more mm-hmm. like a more personal touch to it then that's like for sure a great way to connect with somebody you got to find the balance there for sure we, nobody mm-hmm. wants like an overshare <laughs> we don't want the tmi but you know you save that for <laughs> I mean
2: we kind of think it's kind of a good story yeah you know, yeah <laughs>
1: nice <and>
0: story.
1: <laughs> we, we do love the overshare <laughs>
0: yeah
1: yeah, for and, sure.
0: And like you said, like <laughs> you shared your experience and another sister came up and said, Oh, I didn't realize that I was an option. So yeah. some good did come from that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think like you gotta like read the room for sure. I think Yeah. Sometimes like the spirit will prompt you to share something you may not have otherwise and yeah. One yes.
2: well, along those lines, I I um there was a sister in our ward who spoken sacrament meeting and she mentioned freezing her eggs and it was you know a short part of whatever else she was talking to but I think I had at least started the process like with the consultation and so it was really nice because I was able to talk to her and be like hey I like what what was it like what was hard all those things Mm. and um so kind of being able to build a community with with other people as well as teach about your experience and yeah. the people options so yeah
1: yeah well I feel like this has been an encouraging discussion it's it's hopeful to know that there's like some more options out there in terms of like looking at your life and looking at future plans for family and it, yeah and I also love the idea of just finding ways to like connect with and help others when we go through our struggles or um are figuring out things for our lives there's probably others who can who have similar experiences so
0: yeah i'm curious to see the outcome of this podcast because like you said Mm -hmm. Lindsay, there's not this is a topic that not very many people talk about Mm -hmm. so now i'm kind of hoping that once people listen to this podcast more people will be more willing and more open to talk about it as with any subject i hope so yeah
2: I know I'd be open to having more one-on-one conversations with someone. I mean, there's some specifics that we haven't talked about or that I don't feel comfortable sharing on mm-hmm. podcasts, but talking one-on-one with someone who's about to go through the experience. Mm. Um, absolutely open to that.
1: Thanks for being on the podcast. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening You're everyone.